says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Join me the breakdown, all of the action out of round eight, live from the post game is my good mate, 60s. Eels going down 26 to the Broncos, 16, 26 to the Broncos, 16th the Parramatta Eels, 60s. Uh, before we get into it though, mate, quick shout out to our sponsors, uh, star partners, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta, as well as Big Swing Golf, North Mead. Big fella though, uh, I'm frustrated. How are you feeling? Mate, I'm angry with the world. I I can list off that many things that I'm angry with. I'm angry with our the way that our team started and played through the first half. There were some substandard performances that were there. But more than that, more than that, I'm angry that we are still playing games up in Darwin. I don't care. Look, we do some great stuff with the community, but I've been maintaining this for a number of years right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether or not we win the game and we're starting to get into a pattern of losing the games up there. The game up there in those conditions takes a physical toll on the team and it's time to end it. And if we need to start a petition to get it to end, then we need to do that because it's a, it's it has its impact on the team, not just in the game, but we know they're going to feel it for the next couple of weeks. It's just ridiculous conditions to be playing in. You can see it even when before the game started and they were dripping with sweat. It is just not conditions to be playing rugby league in. The fact that we're taking a home game up there, when we in this game tonight we could have been playing the Broncos at home, I'm really and well and truly over that. But then, to top it all off, just when I thought I couldn't be fired up about anything more, we then see that ridiculous lack of balls cowards. from the match officials. Absolute cowards. Let's just go to the you, 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 you cannot be serious stinger, yeah, mate. You've, you've, br- you've brought the right sort of energy to start this uh, review, mate. Let's get into it. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. But yeah, so we, we see the enforcement or the don't call it a crackdown on the hip drop tackle in full force in this game, well, at least for one team. Uh, where the Parramatta Reels had the early sim bidding of uh, young forward Jermaine Hopgood on what must be said that that is not a hip drop tackle. Right? It's not a hip drop tackle. He, the the bloke was it was as close to a, a conventional rugby league tackle as you are you, ever going. You to You might see. as well outlaw contact below the hips if you're going to be putting that in the sim bin. Like just keep keep it like AFL below the shoulders above the hips. That's it. Yep. Now let's. Then you had two classic hip drop tackles. Yeah, well, from Ez, the Broncos. Ezra Mam somehow missed live on a half line break against Paul Matt Dury, a player for history of injuries at the knees, and that was missed live and had to be called back by the bunker. Uh, so that that's obviously an indictment on Klein there, but the bunker got that one right, thankfully. But then what followed was like it goes beyond an embarrassment for the uh, for the Code Sixties. It is actually a disgrace. Uh, oh, it, it's. There are lots of things you can call into question here, and I just want to be careful about what I say because we we, we cannot call into um, the motivations or, or whatever behind a decision like that. But when you have a big forward like Payne Haas with a classic hip drop, a classic hip drop that causes damage to a player where you saw the, the state that Regan Campbell-Gillard was in. A player in. who doesn't stay down, by the way. 
absolutely, absolutely. So he's the action has actually injured a player and forced them off the field. It's as clear as day that it is a hip drop tackle. No action. Haas knew he was a dead man walking as well. You could see from when he got up, he knew straight away that he was in huge trouble. And he's going to be. He will be suspended. Yeah, he's probably going to get four or five weeks for that. Like yeah. if they're if and they're how, serious how about this, don't call it a crackdown. How long is Reg going to be out for? Probably now? probably six to eight weeks. <laughs> like if we if we're lucky. Oh mate, oh, like that. It was that was one of the more disgraceful decisions or non-decisions that I think I've ever seen in a modern game of rugby league. There are no excuses for that, and we know Annesley's going to come out and he'll say, "Yes, that should have been a sin bin." Or a send-off. It means, it means bugger all to us right now. Absolutely bugger all to us right now. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And this is one of those ones where we're, we're not trying to deflect on what the Parramatta Eels failed to do in the first half because we're oh, going to talk no, about no, that. We're, we're going to be ripping in as, this is, as we started. This is such a disgusting, what you call it, an oversight. Like you said, you don't want to be insinuating that there is something systemic to it. Uh, because you know, you, in, in a code as big as rugby league, you, you want to hope that everything's fair and balanced, or to some relative degree, given that there is human error involved. But the client has been billed for the last two or three years as the game's best ref. If this is oh. if this is happening on his watch, and if this is happening with what's meant to be a, a unified bunker that applies the same logic to the entire round of action, which we know is a, a lie, because they're, the only thing they're consistent about is being inconsistent. But if this is happening under the, the whistle and the eye of the game's best referee, what does that say for the code? Look, it, let's just call it as, as it is. That decision there, at best, is pure incompetence. And I'll, and I'll leave it there. Yeah, exactly. I'll just That's say, a, at, at best, it's pure so incompetence. So now, now the Eels are, are left. I mean, given that there were reports from uh, Fox Sports on the sideline and 9-2, and obviously, uh, that Reg took uh, well over, I think, Five minutes to get up six stairs, sixties. He, he oh, I think two minutes, but uh, two yeah. minutes, whatever it was. Uh, really, really concerning signs of Parramatta. Obviously, Reg, one of the real focal players for this team. Let's go through the stats very quickly uh, with the yeah. Let's make let's make it quick because I've got, I've got more stuff I've got to gripe about for both the Eels and outside of the Eels. Uh, but the Broncos prevailing in this one, twenty six to sixteen. It was a sort of torrid affair that we tipped at the B sixties pretty much. Uh, while the Broncos raced away to a pretty comprehensive lead in the first half on the back of uh, poor errors from the Parramatta Eels and some absurd luck for the Broncos. They were able to capitalise. Herbie Farnworth scoring the opening try in the 14th minute. Adam Reynolds, Ezra Mam, and Katoni Staggs uh, tacking on that barrage of first-half points. No tries in the second half for the Broncos, but a pair of penalty goals. Uh, Reynolds, two from four for try conversions, three from three for penalty conversions. For the Eels, Quinton Gufferson leading the way for their first try. Mike Acevo out-jumping Selwyn Cobbo in the 58th minute, and then Sean Russell finishing off a nice little movement down the right edge in the 63rd. Mitch, two from three off the tee. Uh, Simbins for both teams, we already mentioned them, Jermaine Hopgood and Ezra Mam. Uh, I mean, Payne Haas should have been a bin or a send-off on that list too, but uh, Broncos, on the way to that first half, where I think they had 60-plus uh, points of possession, uh, ended up finishing this game 54-46 to 46 in terms of possession, uh, plus... Uh, just under four minutes of time possession, completing way more effectively than the Parramatta That was apparent. 86% for the Broncos, only 68% saw a palindrome there uh, for the Eels. That's really disappointing for the Blue and Gold. Uh, as you can imagine, the Broncos ahead of most key attacking stats, 
uh, about 200 more run metres, uh, about 40 more post-contact metres. So the Eels actually held their own in that regard, surprisingly. More line breaks for the Bourne goal, 3-2, to two, mind you, but the tackle break, 60s. That's a big one there. 48-26 to 26 for Brisbane. That forward pack really in that first half setting the tone for the Broncos. Uh, Eels, half a second slower on average speed to play the ball speed. What a shock. More offloads for the Eels. Uh, both teams about the same kick defusal. Not uh, not a great night for both teams. I let the ball bounce a number of times. Uh, defensively, both teams quite poor. Broncos at just over 85% of t- effective tackle rate. The Eels at just under 84%. So both coaches going to be frustrated with their defense there. 26 missed tackles, 22 ineffective for, Bro- uh, for the Brisbane Broncos. So a tick under 50 combined there. Eels, 48 missed, but 12 ineffective. So 60 flat in terms of poor tackles for the blonde gold. Negative play, 60s. More errors for the Eels. That makes sense of those completion rates, 13 to 7. Uh, both teams conceding just about the same amount of penalties. Fourth Parramatta, three for the Broncos. And then the uh, six agains were one apiece. And ruck infringement for Brisbane at inside 10 for the Parramatta Eels. Okay. So let's call it as it was in the first half, which was it was an atrocious first half yeah. from the Parramatta Eels. Yep. Absolutely atrocious. Yep. Zero line speed. Middle forwards. Middle forward, not middle forwards. Oh, oh. I think Ryan Madison was good. But I think the other three middle forwards really need to have a look at themselves in that first stanza. Uh, Hodgson, Barlow, and Reagan Campbell-Giller, they got bullied. Uh, that's well, nice let's, let's, have a, let's have a look at the – you had um, five missed tackles from Reg out of, and 12, 12 completed tackles in the match, five missed tackles. Hodgson, 16 completed tackles, five missed tackles. Um, Junior, 12 completed tackles, two missed tackles. It, it – I mean, it's it's almost like they weren't involved in the game. And when you were just saying there about the dominance of the Brisbane forwards in that first half, let's be honest, that's because they didn't have any anyone to run against. Yeah, they weren't being challenged. The, the Eels were just the Eels were so passive in the defensive line; they were just letting them run to them all night and. It, you're not going to win games of football if you're just sitting back on your heels and watching watching them come to you. Now, does this have something to do with the conditions that they're playing in? Yes, maybe. But And I'm going to get back to the, the, the Darwin game as it is. But that's not an excuse for how the Eels started that game no. because both teams are subjected to those conditions. Although... And I think we started to see the, the Broncos wilting they, they absolutely, conditions. even at the end of the second half, 60s, where we had a couple of uh, sustained possessions, you saw their, like their line speed just drop off dramatically. What I will say about those even conditions, though, is that the Eels came into this game on a five-day turnaround, which is another disgrace for the NRL. Uh, like we mentioned it in the podcast earlier this week, but in terms of the scheduling for this game, like you, we cannot be taking games to Darwin on five-day five turnarounds. Uh, that is well, look. Just, let, let's just let's just be blunt again with the call. It is our decision to take a game. It is our club's decision to take a game to Darwin, and it is a, a commercial success, and no doubt it's a community success. But we're in the business of football, and if we are going to give away competition points because our team has not turned up physically to that Darwin game in the in the last two years, if we're going to throw away home games, if we're going to throw away the best possible chance of getting competition points. Now, it's not saying that the Eels shouldn't be able to win in Darwin. What we're saying is 
it's making their job harder. Why are we going to make the job harder for our own football yeah. team mm-hmm. by taking matches to the tropics? It, it, it is illogical. I don't care how commercially successful it is. I honestly don't care how commercially successful it is. Like, I'll give an extreme an extreme example of what might be commercially successful. It could be commercially successful to sell our best two players off every year to a transfer fee to England and get, say, a million dollars to sell them off. Would it make football sense? Absolutely not. And it's a ridiculous suggestion. So I think it's just as ridiculous to be taking games to the tropics, make our job harder, make it physically draining on them so that they're, they're going to be impacted for probably the next two weeks. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. It needs to end and it needs to end now. And I don't care that we're losing some um, valuable commercial um, rights or, or, or just the coin from it all. And, and I'm sorry that it takes away some of the great community work that's done up there but i'll repeat we are in the business of football we are in the business of winning football games and the more football games you wear the more win the more commercially successful you are going to that's be. right you, you'll you'll create those numbers in the aggregate elsewhere right if you're winning uh premierships or going very close every year so and the, the problem is that this isn't going to be a one-off loss for the Parramatta Real Sixes. We now know that as far as two weeks up to Magic Ground now, they're going to be feeling the impact of his trip to Darwin. So it puts the Eels at a significant disadvantage, not just for the round that they're playing in, but for a full fortnight afterwards. So, yeah, that's a not not a, a, a very good feeling, is it, coming out of this one, knowing that the full extent of the damage hasn't been realised between the Reagan Campbell-Gillard injury, which that, in terms of Darwin, obviously is a, it's a non-factor because that could have happened at any ground. But... That coupled with the fact that the team are going to be bearing the fatigue load for another fortnight is brutal. Yeah, and and let's just put this into perspective for anyone that's listening to this now and thinking we're having a whinge after a loss. We flagged this in our preview podcast. We've banged on about it for the last couple of years about this about this match up in Darwin. Uh, it this is nothing new. Even if the even if we had have made the great escape in the second half, I'd still be banging on about it now, because the what the players are put through in this game is not it's not advantageous for us in any way, shape, or form, and we need to be looking for ways of making the conditions that we play in advantageous for our team. That should be the the mission statement of organising the season. Look for whatever advantages you can supply for our football team. This is the complete opposite. And I'm sorry. It it, it has to be said and has to be said often. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I, like, I, am, Agreed. I, I am so over it, mate. I am so over it. In a competition as fierce as the NRL, seeding that sort of home field advantage is just ridiculous, isn't it? So very, very frustrating. Oh, let's get back to the game itself, mate, because there is plenty of breakdown here. The Eels... This was a very complex game, as, as simple as it was at surface level two, where the Eels' poor play really you know, set the table for this defeat, regardless of that big second-half comeback. But beneath that, you know, there was some bad luck, some poor calls, uh, Brisbane being opportunistic, uh, Brisbane being lucky in terms of those uh, you know, non-calls going against them. Uh, let's start with where the Eels got it really wrong, because as a team and on an individual level, there is a lot to break down here. 
Uh, I'm going to start with – I don't like to pile onto players, but I'm going to start with one of the wingers' 60s, Sean Russell. Uh, once or twice is coincidence. After that, it becomes a pattern. And when you're struggling under the high ball the way he is, and I don't know if Wonga Blake has cursed the poor man uh, since he got dropped, but if you're, if you're struggling under the high ball as an outside back, then I don't think you'd be playing first grade. Yeah. <clears throat> the only question remains, what's the option? Well, Bailey Simonson's going to be a Cat 1 HIA failure, mandatory 11-day stand-down. So he's out for the game against Newcastle on Friday. Uh, we can turn back to Hayes Dunster, the player that was just, you know, uh, shuffled back to the New South Wales Cup in order to get his game right and get some more match time under his belt as he builds back from that big knee injury. I don't know. Well, how about we sign a player or two? Yeah, well, that's if, if we're talking about uh, you got to be kidding me sort of stuff, right? We've we've been talking about this X Factor player for months now, sixties. Uh, it's time we've got twenty seven players. Well, 27 players, 30. two of which, uh, one is Wanga Blake, who was just dropped and is now unavailable, and the other of which, I always forget about, uh, Jeremiah Messiah, who's uh, was, you know, borderline 18th man not playing New South Wales Cup. So we're playing for top 25 here, 60s, and we're, we're meant to be serious about contending for the Premiership. Well, what, where where's things going to stand next week? We're looking at, um, it'll probably be a return to Sean Russell in the centres and Hayes Dunster on the wing yep. because that's that's basically the only players that are available. That's that's the only players that will be available. Now, I didn't have a problem with Bailey Simonson playing at centre. In fact, I thought he was having quite a good game until he was injured. He, yes, he, yeah, he, he actually yeah, he actually was um, having a fair crack out there. He was working hard uh, for the ruck or in the ruck for the Parramatta Eels. And obviously, obviously had no real attacking opportunities given the torrent of possession that went Brisbane's way. But also defensively, he wasn't really an issue, was he? Uh, no. I don't think he was, at least from the initial pass uh, on that game. Yeah, so we got problems in the backline 60s. I think our problems in the forward pack are, are far more fixable, which is good news, but maybe not good news in that they're going to have to do it without Reg for a while. We, we say tentatively right now, waiting for the report. Uh, but in saying that, uh, I think Junior has had a pretty ordinary start to this season now. Uh, I've been giving him some time. Uh, he's had two weeks off of that suspension. He just looks short of step right now. I, I don't know what's going on with the big fella, but you know, with Reg out or presumably out, he's going to really need to step up and uh, put his hand up to lead this forward back. Well, all we can say is, from a the perspective, from the perspective of naming a team for this week. The early thought is we're in all sorts. We're in absolute all sorts of trouble. And I know this is coming at it from an extremely negative perspective, but genuinely, we are we are going to have trouble naming a, a 17. Yeah, well, we talk about between injuries and then plays that, you know, their spot should be under, under a spotlight right now. You know, Josh Hodgson's had struggles recently in defence. Uh, you know, we, and he's replacing Brendan Hands, who's been very good for us. Had you know a really poor pass to Ryan Madison when the game was there uh, for the Eels to maybe make a push to win it. So they've got problems at dummy half that need to be sorted out. They've got problems in the front row, problems in the back line. They've got problems in the halves. Dylan Brown is uh, still out of sorts. You know, uh, he is. And dare I say it? Dare I say it? But if we've got a problem in the centres, you know where I'm going with this. 
Well, we, we I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not ruling out. I'm not ruling out that Dylan Dylan goes there for a game or two. It's, um, you know, it's it's not out of the realms of possibility. I don't think it will happen. I'm, nor am I calling it to happen. But I'm just saying we are in all sorts to be able to name a team. No doubt we're going to have to – look, it wouldn't surprise if we have to apply for more exemptions. For who? Well, we might end up with Loomy Loomy playing in, in first grade at this at this rate, mm. out on the back. That's a, that's a hard pass for me. I think you manufacture a, a more competent back line without Loomy Loomy at this point. So I don't know how we're going to do it, but yeah, so – I'm, I mean, not, I'm not. I'm not necessarily advocating it, but it, what we're talking about is um, both Sean and Hayes have struggled in their return to first grade. Whether they're quite ready, whether they've got issues, whatever the case may be, right now we know that Hayes is going to be another twelve months away from getting back to his best. That's just the way it is. With you know, if you've just done an ACL. You're going to be a good 12 months working your way back to being anything like you were before. He didn't just do the ACL. He did He did a triple whammy. He's, he's got rid of every ankle ligament in that in that one hip drop tackle. So he's he's just hasn't got the top pace that he used to have. And that's proving to be problematic for him. And now we're seeing that Sean has the yips under the high ball for whatever reason. And I don't think it's something that happened that he had an issue with before because, first of all, he's played plenty of fullback. So he's used to being under pressure with the high ball. But, you know, we've the last two weeks have not been good from that regard. So, mate, I, I just don't know. Maybe, I'm, maybe my anger with the world has, has got me well and truly under the glass half full. Maybe I'm at the, maybe I'm looking at the dregs in my mind at the moment. The, the the errors, the poor play selection, Sean Lane's second phase uh, nightmare in this game. It it all makes for a very frustrating fan experience. You're sitting there watching a very good Brisbane team, knowing that Parramatta are playing so far below what they're capable of. And then in the second half, the Eels rallied just a little bit. They weren't even near their best still. And they absolutely started to, you know, pressure Brisbane massively. So incredible. Well, look at the look at the look at the meters the Parramatta started to make when in completing sets in that second half. And right. And it, one it player was, that I actually want to shout out in that regard, not I'm surprised because I had him highlighted as a potential liability in these conditions. But one player that actually improved their playing stock, in my opinion, massively in this game was Wiram McGreg. He yeah. played tough. 105 metres off 10 carries, and they were hard-fought carries coming out off the red zone alongside uh, 23, uh, sorry, 15 tackles, two missed, one ineffective. So not a defensive juggernaut by any means, but he did his job in defence. So I thought Ruin yep. was very good. I thought Matt Dury showed why he's valuable off the bench coming in on that right edge, and he was really testing that Broncos left edge. Uh, I mean, he actually had a line break until uh, Ezra Mam hip-dropped him, uh, and there was another couple of other really good runs there as well. So... Uh, how many tackle breaks was he credited for? He's credited for, for zero tackle breaks, which seems not right. Uh, no, but, 
basically what you can summarise how Dury plays is that each of his runs challenged the defence. Yeah, which is what you love to see, being uh, north-south first, you know, not, not sideways initially, really asking those big questions. And that sort of play opens up the ability to be more expansive in other plays. So really liked what those couple of guys did off the bench there. Um, like I said earlier, I think Ryan Madison, among those starting middles, can hold his head up, uh, hold his head up high. Uh, 13 carries, 118 metres. So some tough work there. But 42 tackles, 60s, which is comfortably the best on the team by some margin for just three missed, one ineffective. So he was actually strong defensively there. Uh, when the rest of the forward pack outside of Sean Lane had double-digit missed tackles, oh, sorry, uh, multiple, not double-digit, missed tackles, multiple missed tackles apiece, uh, and they were all under 35 or less tackles. You know, Maddo's doing a pretty good job there defensively. But yeah, this is, uh, I'm just looking through my, my game notes here. Uh, more dubious calls. I thought uh, that initial one-on-one strip on Bryce Cartwright, who I actually had as one of our better players in this game, 60s. Um, capable, I think, affecting the strip. Uh, this goes back to that Canberra and uh, Dragons game that was playing while we finished our game last Sunday. Uh, sorry, that was uh, played before we finished our game. We are watching the uh, replay as we got back. Uh, oh, wait, no, it wasn't being played. No, it was played before us. I'm, I'm getting my time. I mixed up. Uh, where what, what constitutes a tackle? How long do these players get to hold a player up, set up the peel away, and go for the tackle when, when they're all clearly held? And that was the case where the, the camera didn't catch it initially. They went back on the replay, and I thought that Cartwright was well and truly held when that one-on-one strip was affected. Yeah, the, yeah, the camera didn't catch it because the, I think they deemed that as the tackle Tackle completed, move complete. on. Yep. Uh, I mean, another negative for the Eels. I don't know what Guffer was thinking challenging that play. That 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 is never going to get overturned by the bunker, that 40-20 knock-on. Yeah. Do you know what? It's I'm... I'm struggling with a 3-2-1 for us because, yeah, I've got some players that I'm happy with how they performed, but I'm not, I wouldn't be comfortable giving a 3-2-1. And, and the reason for that is we normally look for, out of a win, for example, with a 3-2-1, you look for the players who we couldn't have won without. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking who made a really big difference and yeah I, I can see the positives in uh, Wiramu Greg he was he certainly brought plenty with his carries 105 run meters 37 post contact and I mean that's the stats but the eye test tells you that that he brought a lot of impact off the bench uh, you look at the workload that Ryan Madison was putting in but you know, it was it was still a case of our middles were missing in the first half, and he's part he he was he's part of that middle, and I just you know, and I'm talking we're talking about two of the better performers there with that, um, Gutho, like he made a, a brilliant try save, but then. I look at the the way they toyed with us with those kicks and he just couldn't be there for the diffusals. And then you've got that, that tap back challenge and you think, oh, what's going on there? I mean, the bloke was competing all night, but I, I still find it hard to give a three, two, one. And yet here's, this is where I'm conflicted trying to work all of this out. It was a 10 point loss and it was four tries to three. And the Broncos had incredible luck with all bar one of their tries. 
Oh, look, I mean, maybe I can. You can say incredible luck, but there was also some skill involved in the kicks, of course. Of and one, course. one thing too that we didn't mention earlier, but uh, the Eels have had a little bit of kick pressure this season, and they were actually punished for it today. The Broncos did their homework. Uh, Adam Reynolds twice shifting the ball when uh, whether it was yeah. Bryce Cartwright or someone else came after him. The first time it resulted in the try for himself, where Ezra Mann broke through and. I mean, I don't know what Hodgson and Reagan Campbell Gillard are thinking. Hojo just makes a poor tackle attempt, and Reg played for the intercept 60s. I, I don't know why, uh, but yeah, it led, led to Reynolds scoring. And then the second time, Gaffer made that big uh, try saver at the last line. So, I mean, credit to the Broncos. Like A couple of those kicks and, and those uh, shifts on the fifth tackle were clearly a bit of homework done on the way the Parramatta Eels play the game. Uh, but also, you take away, you know, the, the Sean Russell gift try, the Reagan Campbell Garden jun- uh, Junior, the Josh Hodgson gift try. Uh, and that's, you know, 10, 12 points off the board and suddenly the Eels are in front. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's... I mean, the what-ifs and and the and the pointing the... And, and we can point the fingers at, at, at players and... It sounds know, like looking there's at... Gonna be a lot, it, there's going to be plenty of supporters that are going to do that. And uh, looking at some live feedback from the Presser 60s, it looks like uh, Brad's actually popping off here for the first time ever in terms of uh, questioning what constitutes hip drops and like what the uh, punishment, mechanisms, punishment mechanisms are. So uh, I think he actually got cut short by someone off the side to stop him from losing his mind. So that, that's how bad it is. You know, but Brad Arthur, someone that has never complained publicly, uh, is actually tearing in. Well, mate, I know how he feels because I was ready to completely lose my mind at the start of this podcast. And I'd like to think that we pride ourselves on, on our logical takes and and we try to cut back on the emotional reaction as much as we can. Yeah, we enjoy wins. We hate losses. And there's always going to be some emotion in the instant reaction. That's part of the, the if we can say, the beauty of the of of having a reaction podcast is that you can hear raw takes like we especially like we've given tonight. But in all honesty, mate, I I, I thought I was going to lose the plot just when we started recording. I I was furious beyond belief. No, <laughs> I don't know if that's coming. Across. Yeah, that 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 was captured. <laughs> so uh, obviously the uh, third man Friday coming onto the podcast there. Um, <laughs> But yes, the, what an incredibly frustrating game. I mean, part of me is happy that the Eels managed to rally in the second half because going into Oranges at halftime, that had the makings of 50-point shellacking in those tough Darwinian conditions. And, you know, to their credit, they did rally, but also they should not have been put, should not have put themselves in a position to have to rally. So tough lessons learned there. A tough cost in blood paid from this game as well, 60s. We're going to be without Reg for quite some time looking at the fallout from here. I think there's some footage of him in the sheds in the post game, and he looks in a bad way. Uh, so you can, you can catch oh, that mate, if you're watching on there, Fox. There is, there is an absolute cornucopia of things to be yeah, upset ba- about. Bally Simonson out for a minimum of one week, maybe more. That was a nasty... I mean, there was nothing mal- malicious in it, but that was a nasty head knock. Uh, and, and we got players struggling for form, just across you know all three units, back line, halves, and forward back. And, and unfortunately, we have a New South Wales Cup team who have a, a collection themselves of players who aren't available for this week's game and who themselves weren't really 
putting anyone in the NRL team under pressure with their own form. Yep. It has to be said. Yep. I agree. Now, I, I'm I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a call here. If we're looking to bring a middle forward up, who do you reckon I'm going to make a suggestion about? The Italian Stallion, I think. Luca Moretti, mm-hmm. correct. He has had the consistent form in New South Wales Cup that I'd like to see him be given a run. It's probably not the ideal circumstances when the, it'll be backs against the wall. and But... We're obviously going to be down troops. We're going to be down middle middle forwards with uh, Reg being unavailable. And we probably have to apply for an exemption to get him available. Maybe that, maybe because of that, we wouldn't be able to get an exemption when there's a couple of other middle forwards that are on a top 30 contract. But he'd be the bloke that I'd like to see put up it because I know what he would bring. Some energy. He would bring the he would bring energy and aggression. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, mate, I, look, I don't know that there's. Is there anything more that we can drag out of this game? I, I'm I'm almost feeling spent right now, to be honest. No, unfortunately, we have to. Sorry, as my phone charger causes the uh, notification noise there. Uh, we just have to pick up the pieces, 60s. You know, we, we're back to three and five. The season is far from over. I'm, I'm not upset about that. You know, going to four and four would have been fantastic because I think we would have finished inside the eight with our, at the, at the time, would have been our better for and against than most of the other teams' competition. So I'm not upset about that. We can make this up later. It's just the uh, the manner in which we're losing these games now. You know, we're, we we're quite far off our best. And to make oh, things- look, we're a, we're a long way off our best. But as I said, a night like tonight, you've got the venue which made the job harder. You've got the match officials who made the job harder. And you've got the players themselves that made the job harder. And yet somehow, somehow, it ends up four tries to three. It's, you know, that that's probably the part that's the most angering and annoying is that uh, apart from the first half, you know, I'm not that impressed with what the Broncos dished up tonight. They did they did what they needed to do, but there's the headlines on Fox of Broncos put competition on notice. If I'm Penrith or South, I know they beat Penrith in the first round, but I didn't see anything tonight that would, would threaten Penrith or South. I really didn't. I mean, like, let's just reflect on that. The Eels were finishing stronger than the Broncos tonight. And it should have been the Broncos down to 11 players. Yep. Yeah. No, who, no knows, about that. who knows what that would have been had that, had that, like how things would have evolved if that had have been the case. Because you take out a middle forward and, a, and one of the halves, and that is a significant player loss in the game, let alone just the, sh- the sheer numbers. You're talking about taking out Payne Haas from the middle. Like mm-hmm. how they would have survived for ten minutes, I don't know. Maybe we'd have, we would have found some incompetent way of messing up. I don't know. We we will never know because it didn't happen. It should have happened, but it didn't. 
what can you say? That what is, else can you say, mate? I mean, the Eels need to be better. The referees need to be better. Uh, yeah. And the, the Broncos, as good as they're going, like you said, that that was not a flag-planting victory for them as much as oh, the media is going no. to going to spin it that way. They had a no, good, they had a red hot first half with the Eels playing terrible, but then when the Eels found something close to what seventy percent of what they're capable of, maybe less, yeah, uh, you know they they wilted. So yeah, the they'll they'll be very happy to take the two points, no doubt. Like they're still sitting with just the one loss in the season. Not they're not worried about what happened today, but by the same token, this was not a you know morale boosting uh, season defining victory by any means. So. Yeah, the season will go on 60s. Next week, Parramatta Eels host the Newcastle Knights 6 p.m. on Friday. We'll be out there at Paraleagues, Jack's Bar and Grill. Uh, yeah, post-match. Post-match show for this one, yep. So if you can get out there, uh, cock off from work and race over to Combank Stadium, you can catch us in the post-game. Hopefully as the Eels rebound big time. Newcastle obviously being pretty good this year. So uh, they'll provide a fair challenge next week. So certainly nothing close to a gimme against the Nova Castrians in round nine. But yeah, for the Eels, they just got to pick themselves up, regroup, and uh, depending on who's available from uh, injuries and form, and knowing our luck, there'll be some dodgy suspension coming out of this game too from the MRC. They'll look at this game and say, you know, hop good, yeah, two weeks for uh, the the least hip drop hip drop ever done. Yeah, uh, about pain hours, nothing to answer. Yeah, well, given that, uh, my my gut feeling is we're going to be about rage for two months, sixties. Uh, groin injuries for big men are nasty. Uh, so Haas will probably have, if if he's unlucky, a three week stint on the sidelines. Yeah, oh, I, I have nothing more to say. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, so unfortunately, the Parramatta Eels falling sixteen to twenty six to the Brisbane Broncos, uh, their own worst enemies through most of this game, sixties. But uh, certainly some stuff to salvage out of this in terms of knowing where they can play against the game's. Lead. I wouldn't say they're the best team, but they're on form at the top right now. But they've got to move on, mate, on to Newcastle, on to round nine, and then it's a magic round against the Titans where that two-week uh, drop-off from Darwin really hits. So it's a testing fortnight coming up for the Blue and Gold 60s, but they've got to get the job done. Absolutely. As what always, can we say? Yeah, as always, thanks for stopping by, giving us a listen. We always, uh, I wouldn't say we have fun, mate, uh, but uh, maybe a bit of catharsis and uh, getting the, the lanting of the wounds done in these instant reaction loss podcasts. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe it saved me throwing a few things around. <laughs> and, and maybe I'm working my way back towards having a go, you eels. Yeah, exactly. So at the end. We move on to round nine, mate. But tomorrow, junior rep uh, grand final qualifiers for the Harold Matthews and the SG Boar. Uh, we'll be live out there at Leichhardt. You can catch our live blog. You can catch the live stream as well. Uh, if you've got nothing else happening, make sure you watch our young men in the 17s and 19s battle for a place in the big dance. So until then, we'll catch you guys in the next episode.